Welcome to the Foolish Adventure Show, where guru hype is banned, lifetime value of a customer is king, and the internet business has replaced the J-O-B as the path to financial success and personal freedom. Now, here's straight talk about making a living online with your host, Tim Conley. Welcome to another episode of the Foolish Adventure Show. I'm your host, Tim Conley, and I've got my guest co-host here, James Shramko of superfastbusiness.com. Yo, what's up, James? Hey, it's good to be back. I'm, I was wondering if I'd get booted off the show after the cartoon picture we made the other day. <laughs> that has actually been quite a bit of a hit. People have actually liked that. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm loving that. I need to post it up on Foolish Adventure. I've just done it on my social media stuff. Well, wait till we get the soft eye version. We've got the nice okay. soft eye version. With dr- dreamy eyes, dreamy eyes. Yeah, yeah. I put in the brief. <laughs> I took a screenshot of your request and uh, sent it to the designer. So that'll be fun. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> okay, let's let's get into some real serious stuff here. Even though this uh, show is called Foolish Adventure, let's get into some serious adventure. One of the toughest things that people get into when they're running a business is the actual running of it. After they've gotten past their idea, they start making some money and it starts growing, they run into a few plateaus or, or maybe a few uh, walls. Their, their first hire, when they hire a bigger team, and then when they are running a larger team when they start needing to break off into divisions. So I'm hoping we can cover this side of managing a company, the people side of it. There's so many other things we could talk about, like finance and managing systems and all that. But let's just talk about people today. Got it. This will be fun. So I I get this question quite a bit, which is from people just starting their businesses and they're starting to make some money and they're getting to that point where they're getting a little too busy, where they can't really handle what their workload is now. And they ask me, who should I hire first? And it's still just them. It's just them. Uh, They're not hiring anyone else yet. Who should they hire first? Okay. So this is going to come down to, to what sort of business model they have. Typically, they'll be looking for someone to help them with some kind of support or content or yeah, it'd be support, content, or something technical. So they might be a web developer or webmaster. So these are the, the typical sort of first hires that I've noticed people do. And certainly in my case, first person I got was a part-time support person. And the easy way to identify what you should hire first, generally, is to make a list of all the things you're doing and find out which ones you are doing all the time, like repeating, that you can't add any extra value to that you could hire someone else to do. And also it could be the things you don't like doing. So in my case, uh, I had this business model where I was selling an affiliate product and people would claim a bonus from me. And that involved me on about five or six times a day sending somebody a bonus. So they would send me an email to claim the bonus and then I would send them the login details for their bonus. And I figured that I could hire someone to manage five or six bonus support tickets every single day. So I hired this guy part-time and he set up a support desk and that took that 
whole thing off my plate and that freed me up for the next thing. And then the next thing that became the thing that I was doing all the time that was repetitive, that I couldn't add extra value and I didn't enjoy was writing articles. So my next hire was a part-time content writer. Okay, and so when, when you say the word hire, are you meaning that they're an employee of your company or a contractor to your company? Right, so this is where it gets a bit fuzzy because of international borders, etc. cetera. Uh, in the case of the support person, I, I hired this support person as a contractor, but it was on a permanent part-time kind of arrangement. So I was getting access to this guy daily, but only for a, an hour or two a day. Okay. And as the as the business scaled, that's when things shifted. So this guy was working on a show called The Secret, and he was manning the support desk there. And he was operating from home, and he was in the US. And he would basically log into my support desk as well as managing other people's support desks. So I was sharing him with other people, and he was not costing me a full-time wage. From memory, it was about $1,000 a month. I might be wrong. It might be 500 but it was either 500 or $1,000 a month. And he was looking at my support desk every single day, but just doing a little bit of work. Okay. Okay. So uh, so here in the US, we'd call that a contractor. Uh, it's gotten really fuzzy lately with a lot of these different terms that have come out over the last uh, five, six years of outsource, outtask, the old stuff like subcontractor, contractor, that, that kind of thing. And I think it's starting to confuse people. I'll just jump in there because um, even the employee um, in my country, for example, if someone was a full-time contractor and they only work for you, and I think there's some taxation test, it might be 75 or 80%. If more than 75 or 80% of their income comes from one person, they deem them to be an employee, even if they're doing a contractor thing. And some of the tests are, are you paying them um, in arrears after a job, like do they invoice you or do you handle their superannuation or I think you call it 401? Right. Are you playing employee health benefits, etc.? So when we start looking offshore, we might still have a, a contractor, but they're more or less an employee, but you're not paying their health fund or their, their retirement fund or their uh, any of the other benefits, but right. uh, they really are like an employee. They're exactly the same. So it also depends on who you're talking to. Are you talking to your employee? Are you talking to a customer? Or are you talking to the taxation department? Because everyone's going to have a different label for a similar arrangement. Yeah, the IRS here in the States has a 16-point checklist to determine whether or not, I think it's still just 16 points, a checklist to determine if someone's a contractor or not. And if you like don't have it down to that, they can then come back and say, no, this person was an employee. Therefore, now you owe back taxes on this employee and anything else that you would normally pay for an employee in your company, like health benefits and things like that. They can come back and just you know snag you for all that. Yeah. So that you, you've got to get advice when it comes to this. And it's, um, you know, you mentioned the stages people go through from getting their first one to a small team to 
a bigger team, one of the absolutely critical things to do is to seek out good financial and legal advice because decisions that you make have compound effects when you start upping the, the zeros. You know, when, like in my case, just my wages bill is, uh, you know, more than half a million dollars a year. So you start to have compound effects even when you just want to pay them. Uh, then you're going to have extra fees each time you pay people. Right. So little things compound uh, when you have volume. And that's one of the things I took away from running a large business. When right. you're doing huge volume, little tiny things can make a big difference. <laughs> well, and also optimization tends to start helping dramatically the larger you get too. Yeah, you get to, oh, we get we get into this cool stuff like uh, economy economies of scale. So start, things start to become cheaper the more people you have, and then you also have another one which is kind of the opposite. It's like the law of diminishing return. Right. It's like, like at some point you could keep adding, but you get very little change. So they uh, they're really interesting things to observe as your business changes. But I guess to to um, to get back on track, the main things you're looking for to know if you even need somebody uh, is what are you doing repetitively over and over again? What things don't you like? What things are you not able to be any better at than someone else? And what things could you pay somebody for and get a return on that investment? So for me, I, I sent off $1,000 a month, but I freed up $1,000 worth of my time, which was logging into, you know, doing five or six emails every day for a month. I was able to redirect that energy into strategy and marketing. Okay. Let's talk about managing this, these, these first hires. So maybe you have one to five part-time people that are doing a variety of things. You've got your bookkeeper over here. You've got someone handling your support desk over here and, and someone who is maintaining your website, creating new landing pages or something for you. Hey, you know, like we didn't even cover this, but I probably just assumed this. You just mentioned something, bookkeeper. Um, I want to just extend on that. Before you even look at hiring people, you you know, offshore or for your business, you might want to have a look on the domestic front as well, because there's huge savings can be made by hiring someone to come around and mow your, your lawn. And uh, also someone who can dry clean your, your shirts and, and press them. You know, I've, I've seen this ridiculous scenario where People are hiring staff for their business, but they go out and mow the lawn for two hours or they go and do their laundry for two hours. And I'm thinking, well, you know, if they just got that outsourced, then they could actually focus more on their business. So before you even think about the business side of it, have a look at the home front and make sure you've freed up your capacity there. I'm going, I'm going to take a contrarian approach to that, not, not because I don't truly agree with it, but it's uh, a lot of things... In at least here in the U.S., you would not be able to deduct that because that's a personal expense as opposed to a business one. Uh, so you can't use it as uh, as some saving on some taxes there. Uh, the other being that uh, some people just don't work more, so they they freed up that time, but they're not actually putting it to productive use. They just come home and uh, watch TV or go play with the kids or something. And I bring that up because a lot of people. That's what they say. Well, it, it doesn't really save me anything because I, I just I'm just actually spending money because that same time I'm not actually working more. 
why would they still do that then? Well, see, time equals life. That's the formula. So it's just a transfer. In my case, while that guy's out mowing the garden, then I can play PlayStation with my kids. So it's really just a, it's opportunity cost. What else could you do with that time? Same thing here. You can't deduct lawnmower or a um, dry cleaner from your tax bill, but you can't get the time back either. So as long as you look, if you love washing clothing or you enjoy mowing the lawn, no problem. I get it. But I, don't, be, I don't get it why people mow the lawn. That is, it's insane. Well, <laughs> do you, you, would you rather play your guitar or, or whatever? So it's just transferring time. Right. And I actually used to do this funny thing. I actually had a rule. When the guy came to mow my lawn, I would go upstairs to my office and I would create something while he was mowing the lawn until he finished. And I actually would... would do that exercise for me to mentally get used to the concept of time leverage. So while he was mowing my lawn, I would build a website or I would write a press release or I would um, draft out a video storyboard in the presenter's notes. So I would always like literally match him time for time and see if I could create more compound interest. And I, I clearly remember one product that I made. I opened up PowerPoint. I, um, took screenshots, I populated it, I got it all ready to record and uh, it took me about two hours. So after he left and it was all quiet, I hit record, recorded this slideshow and I turned it into a product on the Warrior Forum, it was a Warrior special offer and I generated about $5,000 from that product and that was when I truly understood the concept of um, only focusing on things where I'm enjoying it or I get the maximum return on investment and anything that someone else could do as good as I could for less than what it would cost me in opportunity costs, then that became something that I get someone else to do. And it's even the same for washing my car. When I go up to the shops, I'll drive up to the shops, I'll put my car into the car wash and I'll go and get a massage and get some lunch then I'll hop back in my car with a coffee and drive home. I've got a nice clean car. I feel all relaxed. The, the tension's out of my muscles and I can come back and create stuff. And I know that I'm more creative and more um, passionate about it because, you know, everything feels right. If you want to throw in a haircut, you've got like <laughs> a nice combo. I, I, don't, I don't do that. I don't cut my hair. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Maybe in 1975 or something. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Very cool. Very cool. I, I think that's a great tip for people to actually see the tra uh, that value uh, transfer, uh, which because the, the, con the idea is very abstract. And what you're saying is actually take that time and, and – you know, time for time, when he comes in and starts mowing, you start working. I think yep. I think that's a great tip. But so it doesn't mean you have to work. You don't have to work, but you can just do something that you enjoy more. Yeah, I, though I though I, I would say that I, I think to really get rid of the abstraction, you know, uh, so they can see dollar for dollar. I think that that tip is just fantastic. But but what I want to do is get us back to managing yeah, that small talk team. Business. You know, that's look. If you're going to run a freestyle show, you're going to have to deal with the U-turns here and there. I I, I love tangents, so I, I'm not. Our first I don't have show a was completely it. off track, so uh, we're we're on par so far. 
So I just have to keep that those mental notes running that we've got to come back and close some loops. So back, back to we, we've we hired our, our first few people and some of them may just be uh, part-time. They may not be any full-time people yet. What are we needing to manage those? Are we just using email or do we go to something a little more sophisticated? No, we're probably just using email and Skype. We should talk about the difference between task sourcing and outsourcing as well, just in case people aren't clear on this. You can chew up a hell of a lot of time going back and forth to jobs boards. And you might find this shocking, but I have never used Fiverr, Odesk, Elance, never, not not used them once, 99designs. I've never, ever put in a job and found competing people or dealt with freelancers on a task source basis like that. I tend to go with specialist service providers who specialize in one thing. And an example of that might be a web development company or an SEO company or a video company. I go to those people. It's clear what they do. I hire them. They do it. I'm done. That's task sourcing. And then the other one is outsourcing where you really want to start making it more of a permanent arrangement. And there's this hidden asset in hiring people on a permanent part-time basis or full-time. And that is the IP and the memory muscle and the habit of understanding how your business operates. They have this fantastic thing called context. So when I communicate with my own team, they know what our business is. They know what we do. They know my likes. They know my dislikes. They know the last 100 things we did as, uh, as a sort of a background or, or precursors to give them the context to be able to make really effective decisions. So we can manage our entire business with minimal tools. But for now, I think we're going to be talking about email and Skype as a starting point. And if you are dealing with jobs boards or whatever, they may have their own communication panel of some kind, which I'm not familiar with. Okay, yeah. Okay, so I tried to use Fiverr once just when it was new, and that was a horrible experience. So I've never gone back to it. I've tried Odesk to try to find somebody that I could use on a regular basis. I just wanted to test it out. And that became a huge hassle in trying to weed through people. I've been using Elance now for, oh gosh, I don't even know how many years, uh, for quite a few years, uh, at least seven, I think. So I've been using uh, Elance for a long time and kind of have a system down of how I pick someone on there. But I'm usually looking on Elance for not a task, like a small task is the amount of time it takes to find that person. I I would have already had it done. But to try to find people that I know I only need for a few hours, maybe a week or a few hours a month, but it's on a recurring basis. And and that could be like a content writer or it could be uh, – and the person that I'm using a lot now, I have a, a tech person who handles my WordPress site and my server and all that stuff. So I don't have to even think about it. If something goes wrong, I just send a message to her and it gets fixed. And that's, and that's what I like using Elance for. If you use, if you use it for just tasking, oh, it'll eat up your time. It'll eat up so much of your time. It's ridiculous. Plus, you're also missing out uh, on things that you 
can't have. And I, I want to I will refer to a specific case study because I think it exemplifies this point. We were talking originally in the show about the cartoon picture that my team member drew of you. Uh-huh. The the thing that I didn't mention, and you know, we haven't ever discussed this before, is I didn't ask for that picture. The picture came as a result of a standard operating procedure, and the standard operating procedure is they transcribe the podcast that I created, and they make a picture that is relevant to the podcast. So when I logged on to my blog to see the finished post, it was there. And the next example is when you uh, joked about, you know, the eyes are a bit too harsh or whatever. (laughs) I took a screenshot and I emailed it to my designer and I just said, hey, can you make the eyes soft and doughy that the girls would swoon over or whatever, whatever you commented. I just took a screenshot <laughs> and I emailed it and I said, uh, uh, I think th- th- Tim would prefer softer eyes, right? So it will come back with softer eyes. No other instructions required, no back and forth, no hiring, no messing around, no payment things. It's it's just easy. Right, right. Yeah, that. As you, I, I, I think you called it muscle memory, uh, being able to have people that begin to know what it is that you want from the way that you operate the company. I had a manager in my company. Her name was Christian, and she was amazing. And had she stayed with the company longer, I would have, I probably would have made her a partner in the company because she was that amazing. All my customers loved her. Uh, like everybody, my suppliers, everybody loved her. She handled it. I would be able to just say, this is what needs to be accomplished. And I could walk away and she would task it out to all the necessary people and it was done. I lost her because she had a baby and she said, I'm not coming back to work. I'm staying home. I'm like, oh. (laughs) Well, gosh, that is such a good point. You know, you've touched on a few things there. One is the ability to explain the result you want, even if you don't know how to ask for the specifics. And you shouldn't have to step it out. They should be able to anticipate and, and step it out and think, right? This magic word that seems to elude many employees, but it's, <laughs> we thrive on it in our business. And the other thing is this massive danger called single source dependency or single point sensitivity. Right. You should not have just one person is my philosophy. We, have a, we call it the Noah principle, but two of everything. Because, uh, you know, if you would take it to the analogy to the sailing world, you've got mono hulls like sailing boats, and then you have catamarans. And with a catamaran, if you, if you manage to hit something, uh, I think you call them buoys, which uh-huh. I, I don't understand because we call them boys. <laughs> but if you were to hit a buoy and tear one of your hulls, at least the other one's floating and you can limp back to safety or wait till the rescue boat comes. You've got to have some backup and uh, you might call it redundancy or whatever, but you need two. You definitely need two. As soon as you can afford it, get two. And the other thing I learned from years and years of hiring is it's actually easier to hire two than it is to hire one because now your time is leveraged. When you're training something, you're training two people at the same time instead of one. And when you're not there and they have a question, guess who they ask? The other person. And now they've got a buddy and they've got a relationship and you start to build what's called is a culture 
your company starts to take on a culture and you're now a team and it changes the dynamic. So I'm really strong on this philosophy of two. Right. I've, I've learned that lesson the hard way when all of a sudden somebody I depended on on a daily basis uh, was all of a sudden gone. And I didn't have systems in place. I didn't have the uh, a go-to person to put in place because I hadn't taken the time to groom someone to uh, be her assistant. So those are things that, that I learned. But one of the things that you mentioned there was training, okay? And you've also mentioned the standard operating procedures. So at what point uh, do you create your standard operating procedures before you've hired or after you've hired? And then how do you train those people that you're bringing in? Right. So if you uh, quite often when you're hiring someone, you'll be hiring them to do something that you currently do. So in that case, it's quite easy. You document what you do. And that is your starting point for the standard operating procedures. And it's important to look at standard operating procedures as a fluid document. It's not set in stone. It will change. It's just the starting point. So I document something. So uh, one of my recent products, so to speak, was called Own the Race Course. And I actually did that myself. I did the process myself for about eight weeks. And I started with a whiteboard and I wrote down the steps as a checklist and I had a little magnet and I'd move the magnet down the board as I put each step through its play. And I had, uh, I was running it on three different channels. So I had three little magnets and I was moving them down. So then I took a screenshot of it, like a photograph and saved it to my computer. And then I went to my team and we transferred that from me to them. I said, this is what I do. This is the procedure. This is how I've done it. And I expect it that I said to my team, I expect you're going to be able to improve this and refine it. But this is the starting point. This is why we do it. This is what I'm doing. This is the result that I'm after. I want you to take it off my hands. So that's a case of where you're doing something first and transferring it. Then there's the other scenario where you hire someone to do something for the first time. I've done this when I hired an Apple developer. I'm not an Apple developer. I, I couldn't you know, my kid can program a, a, a calculator in uh, a couple of hours, you know, first from scratch. I can't. So I don't know how to give them a standard operating procedure. I have to explain the culture of everything we do gets documented. And we use Google Docs for this, but I think they call it Drive now. Right. And it is the, it's the standard operating procedure for anyone working in our business is that if there is no standard operating procedure, they create one. Okay. So you're using Drive as the repository for this knowledge. Uh, have you run into the issue of files disappearing? Well, we use Google Docs, and I think they just renamed it. But they don't disappear in terms of the, the Word-style documents or the spreadsheets. We have uh, one of our standard operating procedures is to take a back a backup and export it once a week of the spreadsheets because we run our entire service business from that. 
but we're using Team Dropbox for our storage. We have had loss of data when someone's computer dies, it, it unwinds things. But if you have the little streaming uh, notification, you can see, you know, 1,200 files were deleted. You just, uh, right. you just hop on there, hey, something just happened. And then they wind it back. They just roll it back and, and restore it. But at the same time, I recommend you take a backup of an I've copied my entire Dropbox across to a local hard drive and I rotate hard drives uh, about once a month to an off-site premises. So I've experienced loss of data many times. So now I'm running Dropbox, the wireless um, hard drive backup with my Mac and an external hard drive that's out of the premises. But it is important to manage your data and it, it is a massive issue as you scale. But we use Dropbox for our files. We use Google Docs for most of our systems. And using that Google application, you can set up groups with emails. And that is absolutely critical. I strongly recommend that you set up an email address for the role, not the person. Because this allows you to change it. I'll give you an example. If you hired a personal assistant, then you could have their email address might be support at yourbusiness.com, not Betty at. Because if Betty's communicating with all these people and she goes, you kind of wasted that. But right. if they're support at. So we have email addresses for each of the roles. Uh, and that email address belongs to the role, not the person. So if the person changes, then we basically just redirect it to the new person and you can do this with aliases and with uh, nicknames etc using google apps and you can include those people in groups so it really makes administration much easier all right yeah i know the uh, the internet business mastery guys for their operating procedures they actually set up a a wordpress site that has all of them there because they, they got tired of uh, some stuff just kind of getting deleted out of a Google Docs at the time. So they put them in a place where they had a lot more control over it. Yeah, there's, there's wiki plugins for WordPress and there's even integration between screen steps and the wiki plugin for WordPress. So screen steps by a Blue Mango Learning Systems. <clears throat> it's a great screenshot and text capture tool. And so you can create standard operating procedures really easily using screen steps and that can integrate to the wiki. We don't oh, use nice. a wiki, but everyone I know with a wiki, uh, the wiki gets a bit out of control, like, a, right. like an untamed garden, you know? So <laughs> what we have, it's a very simple system and we tried different ones. We used Basecamp for a long time, but we just have a Dropbox called training. And in the training Dropbox, we have a folder for each department. And inside that folder will be a Jing video uh, if it's a video tutorial and if if it's a Google Doc, then it'll be nicknamed, it'll be SOP and it'll be what, what it is to do. So if you were to search um, SOP, uh, create YouTube account, the best thing is it's really searchable from your email application. Like uh -huh. you just search it into Gmail and all the SOPs show up underneath the emails. So it's so quick to find things. And what you want is a... You want it to be easy to find, easy to see who's on it right now, and anyone can update it because it is a fluid document. So for that reason, I prefer to use Google Docs and Dropbox as the combo. That's our preferred system now. Okay, very cool. Uh, so I want to get on to this next stage. We've got ourselves a team. 
We've developed some operating procedures. We are uh, using uh, systems to to train people as they come on. At what point should we hire a manager? When when is it that we're so busy, or or when we're out of our technical experience, do we hire that manager for something? I think people should actually look at that first. To hire a manager before bringing on anyone else full time. Yeah, get what I like to do is firstly a few. There's a few things here, and if I, I look at what I've done, my third hire was a full time VA in the Philippines. And at the time that I hired her, I didn't know if I'd be able to keep her busy. That was my first thought. And it's a common thought. Most people think, will I have enough work for my VA? That's a very common question. And I didn't really understand what they were going to be capable of. I didn't have enough context to make a judgment. What I discovered was that I had an absolute superhero on my hands and it seems ridiculous now because I've got nearly 80 staff over there uh, <laughs> that I that I wouldn't keep one busy <laughs> that's hilarious to me now but they are unbelievably talented and amazing so I had a complete change in direction there and this person uh, was someone in a managerial role, but we started out with the basics, like literally how to build a WordPress website, how to write an article, how to, you know, we just did all the basic stuff. But that person is now in charge of uh, nearly 80 people. So my first full-time hire is the boss. And then from the people that we hired under that, we found people who sort of rose to that management or leadership role. They self-select and they come through and we identify talent early and we, we foster that. And we have sort of incubations where I go over there every three months and we bring in the team leaders. And from there, the stars emerge. They always reveal themselves. But uh, we start out with the, 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 uh, the sort of senior people. So the things that made it work for me and I would pass on to my students is look for people who have some kind of uh, responsible role, but they may not be the CEO or the director. I went to the right level. I went to one level above agent level. So they weren't just the telesales operator. They were managing a team of telesales operators, but there were still layers of hierarchy above that. They weren't running the call center. They weren't the floor manager. They were just a team leader. And that gets you a nice balance of responsibility and leadership, but lots of room to grow and for you to groom them the way that you like to lead. If you go too high, what happens is you start to get bureaucratic people who are more interested in dictating and demanding and barking orders than they are doing the work. So I actually got a balance between a worker and a leader, and I brought that worker through. So the, the most training you'll have to do is to explain to them to let go of the tools, whereas if you go too high up the tree, they, they just won't do any of the work, and that's going to be frustrating. So I guess I'm telling you a hybrid. Get okay. someone who you think you can grow into a leadership role is ideal. All right. Uh, so how do you manage this gigantic team from Australia? Great question. <laughs> uh, firstly, we grew organically. So we have 
we worked out our numbers in in our business and what the metrics were to dictate how many people we need and then we always adjust our business to fit the profit level and the capacity level that we need so obviously from what i've said you know that we run in over capacity now because uh just like just like a, a car, right? Let's say you have a car that can only do 60 miles per hour uh-huh. and you're on the highway, but you really need to overtake. If you've got no, no extra capacity, you're stuck behind that truck, right? You can't right. overtake. And if, you know, so it's very frustrating. So we always have a few more people than we need now. It wasn't always that way. We had our butt hanging out of our pants, you know, for the, <laughs> for the last year. We were getting more business than we could get to. And it was really f- great from a marketing and sales perspective because we didn't have the problem that every other business has. You know, 99% of people are chasing a customer, trying to get that order. We're like trying to keep up with the orders because we f- we had a great product. So we felt like the Apple iPhone, you know, everyone right. wanted it and we couldn't get to it. Uh, so we literally had to almost close access to people to buy our things. So we finally caught up, but we had massive learnings with how to run these people. So the biggest tip that I'm going to give you is have a daily meeting. And as soon as you, I mean, you should do it with one person. You should do it with five, but most definitely you got 10, 20, 30, 50, 60, a hundred. You should meet every day. And People say, how can you have a meeting with 76, 77 people? It's absolutely possible. And we can get in and out within 35, 40 minutes. And it's simply, oh, having, yes. a, it's simply having a format. We use GoToWebinar. <laughs> you know, I remember the day that we couldn't use GoToMeeting because we maxed out the 15 or 16 person limit. Yeah, thankfully it's but, at 25 now. So Right. Well, you know, we're long past <laughs> that. So we have a recurring GoToWebinar set for 9 a.m. Manila time. And every single day, just before that, I log on uh, about 15 minutes before that and I speak to the the bosses, right? We have about six or seven bosses who run each of the departments and we just have a quick chat and it's a reset meeting. It's, hey, what do you got on today? What are the big challenges? What do you need my help with? you know, are you okay? Everything good? Yep. And uh, and then also news. What's new? I'd say, okay, so we're opening up a new service this week. Everyone should be aware of it. It's going to change this, that, or the other. So you know, everyone's on the same page. Then we go into the big meeting. We actually say that, okay, let's go over to the big meeting. So we hop <laughs> on to go to webinar and each of the managers takes their department and they might have three people in their team. They might have, uh, they might have a. There's one team with I think 38 people, and there's little team, there's little sort of sub leaders in that. But someone will take over that that team, and one by one they'll go through the people on their in their team. They'll unmute them, and they'll say, "Hey Tim, what are you doing today?" Tim says, "I'm going to be doing uh, three pro packs," uh, and then they say, "Thanks, Tim." You know, or Tim might say, I haven't been assigned a task today. Great. Don't you want to know that at 9am instead of <laughs> at ha- halfway through the day? Um, or we go, where's Peter? Peter's not here. 
they SMS him. Hey, Pete. Okay, Peter's flooded today. Great. At least we know that at nine o'clock this morning. So it is. It is. A, it's a big part of how we manage to grow because we have that check-in, the reset. We tell them the news. We have a laugh. We make a joke. Everyone speaks for just a few seconds or a minute. Or sometimes, you know, you can pick up errors really fast. You can say, hey, hang on a sec. No, no, no. What, what we want to do is such and such. And they go, oh, I get it. So you can give them more context or whatever. And it's always taking responsibility for our own poor communication. <laughs> you know, I might say, hey, I don't think I explained this properly. What I meant was blah, blah, blah. Or I can tell them what the focus is because there's a million things they could be doing. But some of my teams that are more creative, I have to give them sort of a clear strategy or direction. So the press release writers, I might say, okay, team, this is what I really want to highlight for the next week. I want you to put most of your energy onto this topic. They go, got it, boss. That's it. And then for the rest of the week, that's what happens. So daily meeting is a is a big thing. The platform we use for that is GoToWebinar because it will work even with a crappy internet, <laughs> even with my internet. And it's a recurring reminder. It just automatically happens every day. And it's easy. It even sends them a reminder, as you know. Interesting. Interesting. When you said daily meeting, I was just immediately like reviled. You know, it's like, oh, I, I just don't, I just don't know that I can do that. But now that I've, I've spent more time trying to manage projects and seeing that there is a lot of value in being able to get to the key elements quickly. Yeah, and it's fun. You know, we have we have a fantastic culture in our business. They they love it. They're very social. They we laugh. We joke about the roosters in the background. And <laughs> um, um, one day, one day we flicked to one of the guys and uh, we said, "Are you there?" And we heard this silence. And then we heard. <laughs> you know, we roared with laughter. It was a gag, right? But it was the funniest thing ever. Like, you know, they, they have a sharp humor and um, I look forward to it. I love the daily meeting. I love talking to them. I love joking with them. And you get that sort of thing that you might have experienced in a in a real office environment, but without all the other stuff, you know, as soon as you right. hang up, you can go and make a coffee and do what you do. Right. Okay. So you you said you go there uh, to the Philippines quarterly. Are you going to Manila or one of the other cities, and then having uh, and are all those employees in that same city, or are they spread out? Because there's what well over seven thousand islands that make up the Philippines. Yeah, they're spread out. But I go to Makati City, and we get it. We hire out the top floor of one of the hotels. I get like a four bedroom suite. And we make that our office for the week. So they okay. come in, um, mostly hanging out with the senior level management. And then the team leaders come in after we've done a day or two of strategy and going around the table, exactly like what you would find at a 25,000K platinum mastermind. That's what I do with my team. Okay. My team get the exact same focus from me that my highest level students get because if I'm going to build other people's business, I might as well build my own business, right? So you imagine I'm giving seven of my managers my absolute focus and attention and and training. So they're really, really good. So we sit around and we go around each department and we talk about what's what are their challenges, what's our strategy, where are we growing, what's the focus, what things should we be accountable for? And then we, then we bring in the team leader levels the next few days. 
we share that with them and we ask for their ideas and we create standard operating procedures and we review pricing and we look at all the, the websites and we check the stats and we explain what we're doing as a business. And then we do fun activities. We go and see a latest release movie and we, we go pistol shooting, we go to the shopping centre, um, we go out for meals and then we have the whole team come in sometimes. We hire out an entire restaurant. We just take out the entire restaurant and we have them in for lunch and then they hang around and some of them go out uh, afterwards for dinner and, and drinks or whatever and everyone gets to catch up. So we bust them down from Baguio and we uh, fly them in from Davio and Mindanao and, and just we basically – you know we populate the immediate surrounding areas we have some hotel rooms nearby we hire a few rooms in the hotel it's fun sort of going from that first one where we could all fit in a in a small room I think there was 12 people when I first went and uh, you know most of us could stay nearby or lived in the area and then there was 24 and then 50 and then you know it's just grown so these days I still run it with the top sort of 20 top 15 to 20 and now it's aspirational for the new team members to prove themselves and to show that their leadership material because they'll get invited to the the quarterly thing nice. but we'll definitely nice. we're definitely i think we're going to move to annual or semi-annual group things because it really starts to get logistically difficult right with all with all those people and for uh, for the people listening who have never been to the philippines Makati is kind of like being in Florida. So tropical, palm trees, clean streets, all the name brands from around the world are right in there. It is a different world than uh, some of the ideas you may have in your head about what the Philippines is like. Yeah, you know, like if you speak to the average person about uh, a a Philippines employee or outsourcer, I think sometimes they have visions of... uh, like a half savage in some village, you know, with mudslides and uh, campfires, you know, it's just like, it is exactly like here Uh, in, in the city areas, they play PlayStation, they wear the same label brands, they drink Starbucks, you know, like that's not like here, by the way, but this is for the Americans. Right. Um, right. (laughs) It's, it's a very American influence culture. They have the same American accents. Um, they work in call centers for Dell and, uh, AOL, you know, like it's extremely similar to what they would, you know, what they would have at home in many cases. So it's a good integration for a Western business for that reason. Right. Right. Okay. So, Let's see, uh, try to uh, round this up. Uh, So one thing that we haven't talked about, we've only been talking about hiring and training, but what about the one thing that a lot of uh, business owners find really tough, and that's firing? Right, so thankfully it hasn't happened very much in my case, and the secret to that is good filtering at the front end. So the better you hire, the less you're gonna have to fire. So be slow to hire, and be fast to fire. And you might want to learn the three T's as a simple technique. And that is transfer, training, and terminate. So they're the options you have. If something's not working out, then firstly, go and have a look at how did that person get into the business in the first place and update your recruitment SOPs. Secondly, update your induction SOPs because you might not have you might have the right person but you didn't train them properly so induction is every bit as important as the hiring process okay. that's what you do when someone joins 
So options that you have, in many cases, we've transferred someone from where we thought they were going to be to where they should be because it was obvious they had better skills or talents. So we say to them, of everything we do in our business, is there something you'd rather be doing that you're better at or you enjoy more? And we've moved people from crazy roles to other roles. And so transfer is a valid option. Training is an option. We could say, look, uh, Tim, at the moment, there are some challenges. We're not getting the ideal performance for the wage that we pay. And as you know, we have a, uh, a fair day's work for a fair day's pay is one of our sort of ethoses. That, that's all I ask. I'm not a draconian leader. I don't want to milk them. I'm not after the human machine. Right. You know, I just want someone to, to give me equal measure. I'll, I'm happy to make a commitment to pay them every single fortnight forever as long as they can exchange at least fair value. Not, not more than I asked for, not less, just around about fair. And if it's not, then I say, what can we make? What changes can we make to make this work for you and for me? And what sort of training can we do? You know, where do you feel that we can work on to get a result? So there's the training option. And I, there's nothing I won't invest in to help someone get a better role. Well, I give them a Kindle account on Amazon. They can order whatever they want to learn their job better. I don't care what they order. They could order 50 Shades of Grey if that helps them become a better WordPress coder. <laughs> I don't mind. But they have, uh, they've got a credit in Amazon. They can order HTML books. They can order copywriting books, conversion books, anything to help them do their jobs. So give them a training facility because it's pretty unfair to hire someone and not train them. And the right. third thing is terminate. In some cases, you need to free them up to get on with life and find their perfect destiny, but it's just not with your business because sometimes they're a, a total drain on the people around them or on, on they just can't perform the role that they're supposed to be doing. So I've had a couple of false starts. Uh, usually when I've tried an innovative role that we hadn't been experienced with, the first one that didn't really work out was I hired someone to be like the analytics junkie to go through our sites, to look at all the stats, to set up conversions. And on paper, it looked good, but in reality, he just didn't get it. And <laughs> in the end, uh, he, you know, in almost every case, they will leave before you have to ask them to leave. They, they see that it's not right. You have the discussions about transferring and training. By the time you get to terminate they will usually offer to leave and that's been good. So I think, you know, we, we've had uh, maybe three people ever out of 80 leave. Huh, interesting. I want to jump onto the, if to prevent the firing, going back to uh, filtering. Like what, what are some of the things that you're looking for when you're hiring someone? We want good English. We want them to have their own computer. We want them to have an internet connection. And <laughs> we do have a few tests, some basic uh, maths, English, and innovation, you know, uh, where we ask them to prepare something that they can't just copy. And then we do little tiny things like in the background, we'll check the properties on the documents they send us to see if it matches them. And if it doesn't, we ask them about that. And um, we almost exclusively hire word of mouth within our business and I pay a referral fee. I've said to my team, if you can recommend someone to work with us, like you know who we are, you know what we do, you know what our benchmark is. If you think someone meets that and you refer them to us, I'll pay you 100 US dollars 
after they've been with us for 30 days. And that has been our exclusive recruitment strategy for the entire time. So that wow. means in total, I've paid less than $8,000 to build a team of nearly 80 in recruitment fees. Wow. Yeah, that's one thing about culture is that once you find cultural fits into your business, then they're going to bring in people like themselves because we hang out with people that are like us. And, and they also culturally, they don't want to lose face for recommending someone who's going to let them down. So I, I know for a fact that many of my team members will say, you know, I know someone that wants to work with us, but I don't think we should hire them, boss. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know, they've got good judgment. I have exceptional people running my business and they make good decisions. And it's definitely been a process of me transferring this knowledge from my previous roles and giving my team my best. And that's where I see a lot of people fall short. They hire people and they don't resource them. They don't nourish them. They don't train them. They don't care for them. They don't even know them. I've actually spoken to people who have employed people for two or three years and never even once spoken to them on Skype. And that confounds me. I'm like, how is this possible? How could you not care enough about someone who helps you grow your business to even speak to them? So, you know, we go way beyond that. I'm just about heading off for my seventh visit. These people are like family to me. They're my friends. They're absolutely incredible people. And if you can get that relationship with your team, that will transcend almost every possible objection that can come your way in business. Fantastic. Uh, one one last question. It's just more of a curiosity. Are, are you uh, hiring people in other parts of the world or just out of the Philippines? I've had people in other parts of the world. I My previous SEO uh, business was founded on an Indian team and there was about 54 in that. But that was a contractor arrangement with the services company. But I didn't get the quality that I needed from there. And I have um, also hired programmers from other countries. I've got a content supplier in Australia who's phenomenal. Uh, and I, you know, I built the business up on that original supply and that was great. And I had the support person in the US and I used to have a web development team in the US. They were like, uh, they, that was the foundation for my original web development business. But if I, if I were to look at why I changed, the US team um, compared to the Philippines team were expensive, lazy. Uh, they were, they were um, nowhere near as service level oriented and, and they were extremely complacent and they just weren't that good. And I think that that is not talking about all US supply services, but right. what I think it was was that um, probably the really, really good people in the US uh, set up their own businesses or in some kind of tech startup or whatever. And, and uh, there's, there's probably just, there's just a lot more people. So you're going to have hot spots and cold spots. Right. But they didn't seem very, um, they, just, they just weren't as good. Um, the Indian team 
they were sort of enthusiastic and and nice people, but they just couldn't get the quality. I just couldn't dial the quality that I wanted. And then there was this thing where they go AWOL on you. They just won't respond. If you have tension or conflict, they just disappear. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, again, it could be just isolated to that supply company, but I don't know how many approaches you get from SEO companies from India in your support emails or whatever, but (laughs) we get about 20 a day. But I have had just a different experience with the Philippines. They are uh, culturally they're a really good fit for me for some reason. They they work well. They're on the same sort of time zone as me within a few hours, which is definitely something to consider. Yeah. And a, a big advantage for me being in Australia versus a US company or a UK company. And they they get the American culture and they have fantastic English and they're smart and they are courageous when you when you get past the shyness they've got tiger hearts you know they've got determination that will blow you away especially when you're talking like a five foot girl uh who is like a warrior underneath (laughs) i I just uh one of them i just moved into a brand new department and we set it up on uh Two days ago, yesterday we got our first order and the team are just pumped. These guys are just ninja. They just set this thing up from scratch. They're in the market. This business will be a twenty dollars to $30,000 a month business within the next two months because they've got that determination and, and nothing will get in their way. So we're just going to just kick it out of the park. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And for people that have heard some, maybe have heard some horror stories and stuff. I, 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 the only horror stories I've ever heard about hiring people in the Philippines has been that they didn't respect them. They just treated them as cheap machines. Anytime you do that, you're going to end up with bad results because no one wants to work for a boss that's like that. Uh, we wouldn't do it here, so don't do it to people that you hire there. Uh, the other side is that there's a huge amount of opportunity because you go into the Philippines and everyone's young. There's young people everywhere, and they need opportunities, and they're, ed- they're getting an, a, a decent education. And, and as you were saying, James, that they have this uh, American-centric view that, that really allows them to plug into Western culture, and anytime you need support or uh, design, uh, that, that was the thing for me. Was, was the quality of design. I've used companies out of India, and the, it was always a battle of trying to get the design right and go uh, like a, a very Western view of design. And then the people I've used out of the Philippines, like the design stuff was, here's the concept. And then boom, they would come back with something and, and it'd be like, that's what I was envisioning. So those are the things that I think are a huge opportunity for people to start looking at, to the Philippines for, for their staff and not so much about cheap labor. Well, that's, you know, it's funny you say that. It was the design that eventually undid my Indian SEO supply because they sent through a video and I'm like, what is this? And they, they said, uh, you know, I said, I hope you're not sending these to customers. And like, I had complaint after complaint after complaint. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. This is not my values, you know, and... And I moved stuff across to my own team who did like 10 times a better job. You know, the same team that produced your little cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and in, I love that. I love that. So I, need one, uh, I need one with you and me together. That would be awesome. 
<laughs> that's what well you know you see you just you say that and then my team member will listen to this and they would automatically just send it through and that's the beauty of having a team that's in sync so that that's what i'm talking about and you know i have heard people i get you know quite a lot of people say oh, i'm having trouble with with my team in the philippines or my, my person in the philippines it's usually person and remember this people don't leave companies they leave bosses and a lot of people are, are not geared to run, you know, to manage people. Even in Western society, they've probably never managed. They're, they may be an employee themselves and they might be starting this internet thing on the side and they're not used to managing people. But my, my main advice is just be a human being, connect with your team member, have a proper relationship with them. Don't be afraid to share uh, your frustrations and your, your fears and your aspirations with them. You don't have to keep all this stuff secret. You know, my, my team log into my cart, they can see what the sales are and they support it. In fact, one of them I gave a pay rise and you know what she said to me? She said, boss, you know, you're not going to get to $10 million a year if you keep giving me pay rises. And, <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? It's because I give you pay rises that we're going to get to $10 million a year. You just keep doing what you're doing and, uh, and we'll all do well. So we have a, like a team spirit here. And the thing is they're guaranteed to get paid as the business owner, we're the ones really taking the huge risk. We're not always guaranteed to get paid. There'll be ups and downs, but they get a steady wage and they appreciate it and they can build families out on that. They can, they can buy houses, they can get cars, they can have an iPod, they can feed the family and the extended family. So everyone's winning from this. It's a great thing. Very cool. Very cool. I know we could go on a lot longer on just this topic. But I'm going to have to give our listeners a break and and just say, uh, hopefully they got a lot of value out of this. Uh, talking to you, the listener, I hope you got a lot of value out of this. I hope that you have been able to look at your own business and see where you can put in place a team that's going to help you build out a company that will get you to the goals that you have in life. And until the next time, enjoy your foolish adventure. You've just listened to The Foolish Adventure Show with Tim Conley. To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to foolishadventure.com. There, you can opt into the Freedom File newsletter. You'll also get access to the Foolish Guide to Launching Products video training module, over an hour and 20 minutes of business building knowledge that can generate tens of thousands of dollars for your new product. Enjoy your foolish adventure. <laughs>